When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, good morning. Welcome in. We have an unbelievable giveaway. Uh, thanks to our friends at the Golden Moon Casino and the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge. Super cool place to watch football. Um, that place is packed for SEC football and the NFL. Uh, they've got over 40 TVs. It's uh, 4,000 square feet. Uh, all these recliners and chair, leather chairs and so on. And they have a full bar and food at the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge. And then they have... A uh, top 100 golf course, Dancing Rabbit Golf, which is, what, 50 yards. And you've got two courses, the Azaleas and the Oaks. Uh, They have been rated in the top 100 several times over the last 20 years. So you can do golf, the sports book, and their amazing old-style Las Vegas steakhouse, Philip M's. We're giving away a night at the Golden Moon Casino, or the hotel, and also two rounds of golf to Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Wait, I best text. Now, if it's a little snarky and funny, that kind of gives you an edge. Uh, But best text on any of the topics that we're hitting today, including Lane Kiffin and Coach Prime as candidates at Auburn, John Cohen leaving Mississippi State, athletic director to go to Auburn on the week that Mississippi State is hosting Auburn in football. So all kinds of things going on in the crazy SEC. Uh, How do you enter? Text us on the Ag Up Equipment John Deere Tractor Text Line 601-885-3776. We want to welcome in our friend NFL Insider. He also covers college football in the spring because they do all their NFL draft stuff. But right now we're going to talk about what's currently going on uh, in season with the NFL. He is our friend Steve Palazzolo with Pro Football Focus, PFF.com. NFL Insider joining us on the Yingling Lager guest line. All right, Steve Palazzolo, uh, tell me how awesome my buddy Dak Prescott was last weekend. Yeah, he was great. He was fantastic. And in uh, a week removed from his return from the injury, definitely looked a lot better. So uh, you can see the difference in the Cowboys offense. Now, look, it's the Bears. Bears are not very good. I don't think on either side of the ball, even though they're looking better, a little bit better offensively, but... You saw a Cowboys offense that was not moving the ball very well for a few weeks. And they, you know, last week, passing game opened up. You see Tony Pollard running the ball hard. 
And, uh, yeah, you just see what the Cowboys are capable of doing offensively with Dak under center rather than uh, Cooper Rush. Okay. Uh, Tony Pollard. How, I mean, for, for where he is today compared to where Zeke is today, you give a slight edge to Tony Pollard as the way he is stylistically as a running back in the NFL, or is there a pretty big gap? How do you all see it at Pro Football Focus, Steve? I mean, I think we've always seen it as Pollard's more explosive, creates big, uh, creates big plays, creates those explosive plays, and he always has. He's always been a more effective down-for-down runner than Zeke. Now, the, the caveat to that was always, well, Zeke he has 20 carries per game and Pollard's getting 10, and you know, can Pollard handle the, the bigger workload? Uh, maybe, maybe not, but it'd be worth discovering. You know, the guy, the guy averaged five and a half yards per carry last year, 6.2 this year. Our PFF rushing grades are always really high for him. He's over 90 each of the last two years just because we try to separate what the runner does away from the offensive line. And you just see him running through arm tackles, you know, creating after contact. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think Pollard just always needs more more touches in that offense because he's such a big play threat. And Zeke isn't that. Zeke's a good short yardage runner, and he's run hard around the, you know, in the tight red zone this year and all that stuff. But Pollard is a big play threat who deserves more opportunities. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com, NFL Insider, on the Yingling Liger guest line. If you were running the Dallas Cowboys, Steve, would you have made a move to upgrade the roster? And if so, would it have been at wide receiver or just anything that would have upgraded the roster considering what the Eagles did and some others before the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably would have dabbled in the receiver market. I don't know if it would have been a good one. You know, I, I wouldn't give up. A, if I'm Dallas, I'm not giving up like a, a second rounder for Chase Claypool like the Bears did. And um, Brandon Cooks was rumored to be on the market. He's supposedly upset that he didn't get traded, even though he's got this massive contract that makes it more difficult to trade. Um, you know, if I could add a Brandon Cooks on the cheap, I would have, but I don't think he's on the cheap. And I think, you know, the contract was a hindrance. Um, I would have kept Amari Cooper probably last year, but that's me. Um, but at the deadline, given what we have right now, I, uh, no, I don't. I, I don't think there's any glaring move that the Cowboys didn't make that stands out. I think they've got a good roster. Um, I, I didn't love what they did in the off season. It still could come back to bite, but they're in a very good spot with how how well the defense is playing right now. Okay, um, I grew up with Lawrence Taylor. He changed the game. Micah Parsons continues to do amazing things. Uh, it's still early, but how do you compare him to the greats on defense the last 40 years, Steve? I mean, he's up there. I, mean, I think people immediately go to the, the Lawrence Taylor comparison, and I don't think it's that extreme for Micah Parsons. I mean, when he gets when he gets left one on one, he's winning for the most part. I mean, it is it is that distinct. It's kind of like Aaron Donald on the defensive interior. I've never seen anybody win one on ones the same way Aaron Donald does. That you know, so you have to give him extra attention. I think Parsons is starting to get to that point. You know, you just you know, defensive ends don't really win every single rep, but if you start winning 35 percent of your one on ones, that's dominant. That's incredible. And that's where Parsons is. That's what he does. Um, and then the fact that he does, he can play traditional linebacker. And I try to 
hammer this home over and over again, those years that you saw, like the Steelers, oh, they have four linebackers. You know, they play a 3-4. It's not really that. They have two linebackers, and they have two edge rushers that are called outside linebackers. They're, they're different skill sets, right? Parsons has the skill set for actually both positions, to rush the passer or to play off-the-ball linebacker, you know, fit against the run, play in coverage. Now, I'd, I'd rather Parsons rush in the passer, and they're doing that a lot more this year. Uh, but it is incredible that he could legitimately play two different positions in the NFL uh, as well as he does. But right now we're seeing Parsons being, you know, as good as it gets rushing the passer one-on-one. Okay. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus. So are you ready to say that, that Dak could trend towards, you know, an MVP-like year? No. Okay. Well, he's, not um, gonna, he's not going to win the MVP or anything, right? Well, I, I when 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 you look at the throws that he made, uh, I mean, I thought he made three or four really really high level throws on last week against the Bears. I know it's the Bears, but it was who they were playing, and he played well. What did you see? No, I saw the same thing. We had we had him with an over uh, a grade over ninety. Uh, we had him with a couple big time throws. Uh, the interception that he threw, I think we chalked it up to uh, miscommunication with the receiver. You know, he was expecting him to bend the post a little bit, and, and he didn't. So the interception wasn't really on him. I thought Dak looked fantastic. I mean, he's not going to win MVP. He missed a whole bunch of time, and he was terrible in week one. But if he if he plays like this, now you're talking about this is Dak from the last couple of years. The offense is all of a sudden not terrible like they had been for a few weeks. And, I mean, I saw, I saw Dan Orlovsky call Kellen Moore the best play caller in the NFL this past week. Oh, good grief. I, I mean, Dan, Dan O likes to make some definitive statements, you know, the day after. But um, <laughs> he said, Kellen Moore's, Kellen Moore's the best play caller. He must have watched every single play in the NFL. He's got Kellen Moore. But um, uh... I, I just think the Cowboys have all those pieces. And if Dak plays well, then, yeah, this is such a dangerous team. And, and the, the offense just looks much cleaner. And you're getting C.D. Lamb involved. And it just looks a lot better than it did the previous few weeks. Okay, uh, let's go to Tom Brady. What what are y'all seeing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their offense and Tom Brady's play? So up until last week, Brady hadn't really played horribly. You know, they he had played pretty consistent, solid football. Not at not at his previous levels, but solid football every week. He would. He's actually, even in last week's game, put some ridiculous throws on tape, some incredible tight window throws. But then he misses a whole bunch as well. And, and we saw that against the Ravens. It was his worst game of the season last Thursday night. So Brady's been a little more inconsistent than he has been in the past. But then the whole offense is just a mess. They can't run the ball at all. It's the worst rushing attack in the NFL. So there's actually there's just no, there's no margin for error. There's a lot of pressure on this pass game in third and long. Uh, the red zone offense has been a disaster, and that's just a that's just everything. You know, they're lining up for fourth and short, and there's a false start. There's drops in the end zone. Brady's missing players when they're open. All of it's just bad. So everything the Bucks are doing offensively just looks terrible right now across the board. Mike Evans is fantastic on some plays, and then like he did against Carolina, he drops what would have been a 65 yard touchdown. So it's just off. You know, they're mm. they're talented. I, I think Brady. Don't buy into the narratives that Brady or Rodgers are just that they're old and that they're losing. You know, it, that, that's like a it's a lazy narrative because physically they both look good. You know, it's just a matter of consistency, what's happening around them. So 
I, I keep thinking that the Bucks will be better, but a lot of things have to be better for them to look anything like they did in the last couple of years. NFL Insider, Pro Football Focus, Steve Palazzolo on the Yingling Lager guest line. Right now, today, is A.J. Brown the best wide receiver in the NFL? Uh, no, I mean, I wouldn't put him as the best. Um, I still think I still think Tyreek Hill makes the biggest impact as a, as a receiver. You know, I think Justin Jefferson's right up there. But, I mean, A.J. Brown's top three, top five. You know, Stephon Diggs is, is absolutely up there. But separating them is difficult. I mean, Cooper, Cooper Cup's not doing what he did last year, but, you know, you still have to – respect him in that conversation. So I, I think I think A.J. Brown's clearly in the top five in the my offseason narrative. Wow. I, I thought what was the biggest offseason narrative, the fact that Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams were going to these new places. We're seeing two out of those three completely tra- transform their offenses, right? The, the Dolphins are completely different, and the Eagles have just taken it to the next level. And the Eagles now have those games where they can rely on A.J. Brown. They have some games where they can run it, where they, where they just run it. They have other games where Devontae Smith might break out. But as we saw last week, there's games where A.J. Brown just takes over. So, yeah, he's certainly in that conversation, and he's been dominant this year for the Eagles, and you've seen that in everything they've been able to do offensively. He's been spectacular. So you do have A.J. Brown in the top five. Yeah, I think that's fair. I put him up there. Okay. So and if was, you let- I, I said it on draft night. There's – there is of on, on draft night of all of the first round picks. There is no player I would rather have with a first round pick than AJ Brown plus his contract. I think that was the best draft night move. The Eagles trading their first round pick, one of their first round picks for AJ Brown. There's no bigger impact player other than maybe you know if Kenny Pickett becomes a you know a franchise quarterback. There's no bigger impact player night one of the draft this past year than A.J. Brown going to the Eagles. Wow. He has been spectacular. Good grief. All right. Steve Palazzolo on the Out of Bounds show and the Yingling Lager guest line. Um, so with who do you like better going down the stretch, Steve, in the uh, NFC East? I, I I would think you're going to go Eagles, but who do you like better, Eagles or Cowboys? I, I'd probably go slight lean for the Eagles, but but it's really slight. I mean, I don't think it's that big. I know it feels different because the Eagles are undefeated and the Cowboys have two losses, and it's kind of like how our brain works, right? It, it, and that's how that's how every college football debate is, right? This team has two losses; they're no good, right? I mean, that's no but it's doubt not the reality. Right. Yeah, like they're close. Like these teams are close. Um, and especially, you know, as I said earlier, if Dak Prescott and that offense are looking good, it's really close. And it's unfortunate we only got to see Cooper Rush's Cowboys go up against the Eagles in that first matchup. Uh, the thing I love about the Eagles, though, is their ability to win in different ways. Their, their defense has been fantastic this year. Their coverage unit, the two corners, Darius Slade and Bradbury, uh, they're, they're, they load up on pass rushers. They add Robert Quinn to the mix. So they, they, they just, they're just so good at everything. And then you see the huge step forward that Jalen Hurts has made this year and the fact that they can they can build that offense around him as a runner. But at the same time, like I said earlier, if you know, if they want to target AJ Brown twelve to fifteen times a game, you know, good luck. That guy could take over games. So the Eagles have a they're just better rounded and they have the ability to win, I think, in in 
in different ways. Whereas the Cowboys, I think, are relying more on their defense or Dak to kind of take over. And uh, they don't maybe have the uh, you know, the same versatility, I would say, that the Eagles have across their roster. Uh, that just drives me crazy. Close, um, Close. I All right. What I've enjoyed about you coming on the last few years, other than taking shots at Blake, is the fact that you talk about how teams need to go get it and, and be aggressive. And and it's all about now in the NFL. It's not about, you know, two or three. That's an eternity, two or three years from now in the NFL. So when we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles and Dak and A.J. Brown and how this thing could line up and what could play out in November and December, the the last two Super Bowl champions, which we've talked to you about, Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, is Tampa Bay was aggressive and the L.A. Rams were aggressive. We just had the trade deadline come and go. And the Philadelphia Eagles and the Miami Dolphins were aggressive. And the Dallas Cowboys were not. Your thoughts? So I, I think there's I think there's more to just the trade deadline. Yeah, both the Eagles and the Dolphins, it, it's, it's a multi-year strategy that they've had to put themselves in position to make these moves. The, the Dolphins have had incredible draft capital over the last couple seasons because they, they because they traded down because they uh, they made moves to accumulate those extra first round picks. They traded with the when the Niners went up to go get Trey Lance. It was the Dolphins who uh, you know got all those extra first rounders. Um, and the Eagles are similar. You know the Eagles have the Saints first rounder next year. Um, I know Saints fans were justifying, well, we got our two starters this year. We got them a year early. We got Chris Olave and Trevor Penning. Well, now the Saints are sitting there at three and five with no first rounder next year. That doesn't feel great. Whereas the Eagles are seven and zero with a first rounder from the Saints next year, which could be a top 10 pick, could be top 15, top 20. We'll see what happens. But the Eagles have put themselves in position because they've accumulated extra draft picks. So it's not just as simple as like the trade deadline's coming up. Let's be aggressive. I think organizationally, both teams, the Eagles and Dolphins, have done a great job of stocking up on draft picks. And when you have draft picks, it's not about using them all the time or picking the right players. It's about using them for whatever's available. And the Eagles were able to you know, flip picks for Robert Quinn and the Dolphins. We're probably too aggressive in trading a first-rounder for Bradley Chubb. But they've, they've built up that luxury because of the extra picks they've added with the team. So... I think that's the bigger part of the strategy. It's not about going for it or just about one year. It's about always properly accumulating these assets so that you can use the, the draft picks properly to either get current NFL players or um, to maneuver around the draft and get players that you know that are good uh, in the draft. Uh, okay, well... So yeah, the Cowboys me. blew it by not accumulating draft picks in the last couple of years so they can't be, you know, so they can be aggressive at this time. All right, but we've also discussed with you these general managers and front offices that don't seem to value draft picks and have traded them away to go get assets to win now. Um, so as you, you, y'all, you and your team at Pro Football Focus talk to all these these teams. Where, where are you on that? I mean, Bo, there's a balance. It depends. Every team is different. It depends on where they are. Or do you get a sense there is a growing core group of general managers and maybe aggressive front office analytics dudes 
that are just like, no, it, it, we can find players. It's not about having all these first and second round picks. We can find them mid, later in the draft, or we can go get them in free agency and or before the deadline. How, how do you strike the balance? Where are you and the pro football focus team on that, Steve? Yeah, it, it's definitely a balance. I think we disagree a lot, you know, internally at TFS as well, depending on who we're talking to. But I would say I think what teams are valuing is it's not that they don't value draft picks. It's that they're, they do value the certainty of a current NFL player. Yes. Um, so if you're the Rams and you're trading – multiple firsts for Jalen Ramsey. It's a court, take quarterbacks out of it because quarterbacks are always worth it if you're going to get a good quarterback. But if you get, you know, two players, you're, you're basically giving up two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey. He's good enough that you can justify that. You know, Tyreek Hill is good enough that you can justify that. Where it becomes risky is if you if you make that trade for Jamal Adams, who's a safety, and probably isn't going to have the same kind of impact as those other two. And that's what the Seahawks did a couple years ago. Bradley Chubb, one first-rounder for him. It could work out, right? you got to pay Chubb. So I think it's that balance. It's, you're paying for certainty in the NFL. Because usually, even when teams uh, players switch teams, you know what you're going to get. Whereas the draft, there's always that inherent risk, right? So in the draft, if you hit on a player, it's more valuable because they're cheaper. But you might miss in, in the draft. So I think that's what teams are balancing. But then they're offsetting it as well. Like the Rams trade down and accumulate draft picks as much as any team in the league. So they have a ton of third to seventh rounders. And their goal is to grab a couple starters out of that. Guys that they can groom and develop and uh, two, three years down the road, they're starters. So that has to be the other part of the strategy. It's not as simple as giving up all your draft picks because, you know, at some point that does catch up to you. So I think that's the balance, right? If you're willing to give up first and second rounders for established NFL players, I think that can work. But you also have to start hitting in the later rounds and, and rounding out your roster with some depth. So you always have to accumulate that draft capital later in the draft as well. All right, last one. We've got a minute, minute and a half. Uh, are you buying? How would you grade Tua Tonga Valoa and what he has been able to do with the Miami Dolphins this year? Um, again, I'm like in both camps. You know, I, I said this before the season. I, I thought he was going to have a great statistical season, right? You've got Tyree Hill, you've got Jalen Waddle, you've got Mike you McDaniel. Did say that. Yeah, everything pointed to he should have better stats. So now we're here. He's got incredible stats. He's leading the league in passer rating. Is that Tua or is it the situation? I think he can be both. I think he's improved. He certainly doesn't look like he did last year. But you see, even when he throws the ball to Tyree Hill down the field, there's so much separation. Even when he underthrows it, <laughs> Tyree has great ball skills. He's coming back to get it. So I think it's both. I think Tua's been better. The situation around him is absolutely incredible. And uh, I can't wait to you know see it going forward because uh, the Dolphins still have been a little inconsistent in the red zone, putting points on the board much better last week, but they certainly have all the pieces to be an explosive offense. All right. I'm g- hey, I'm going to leave you with this because I already did this a couple weeks ago. Um, Hinnon Hooker is the best player, best quarterback in the 2023 NFL draft. Yeah. Got a little Dak to him, right? You know, leading his team to number one and all that and flying under the radar. He is very impressive. Okay. Hey, I hope you have a great weekend, and I hope my executive producer doesn't bother you, and we look forward to uh, hanging out with you next week. Thank you, guys. Blake, I'll talk to you Sunday morning for all your uh, fantasy questions. (laughs) All right. Steve Palazzolo. 
Pro Football Focus, PFF.com. Steve Palazzolo, NFL insider. Always fun to visit with. He joined us on the Yingling Lager guest line. Don't forget that Burgers, Blues, and Barbecue, B3, and Madison and Brandon, they now have Yingling to go with their amazing burgers and uh, onion rings and sandwiches and blue plates. B3, baby. Presented by Yingling Lager. Thanks to Palazzolo. Man, when he does a deep dive into Dak Prescott and A.J. Brown, I'm here for it. That And those are two phenomenal players. I don't know what's going to play out over the next eight weeks. I do give the Eagles a slight edge. Hour number three coming up. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.